Good morning, family. It's so great to be with you today. I trust that you are all doing very well. Thank you for joining us for our service. I want to say, first of all, to our people from Hatfield East and Hatfield South, really good to be with you and to just have you with the service with us. Uh, then also to everybody that's joining us from all over the world and different parts of our country, um, and perhaps you were with us for the first time, I want to really say welcome. It's uh, great to have you join us on this space. And uh, I want to encourage you again, if you regularly partake with our service, please won't you go and subscribe to our YouTube channel or and like us on Facebook and follow us on Facebook. And uh, please, you can also watch the service via online church and be part of that. And it's great for us if you communicate with us, make comments during the service, or particularly if you want prayer for something, we have a team that's ready, they're wanting to pray with you, and uh, let, let us know if there's something we can pray for you, or any way that we can support and help you in prayer during this time. It would, it's a privilege and an honor for us. Today I want to share with you a message that I've entitled Going Up. And uh, I, I want to talk about how we in life go through these times where, where we're ascending into something and we've got hope, but then things can get a little bit unstuck and go wrong along the way. Years and years ago, when actually before Natasha and I was even married, even before we were dating, I was still trying to convince her to pay any attention to me. We, uh, with the training center that we were part of that time, a bunch of us from the year of your life and students that were studying, we went on a hike together. And uh, the one day I sort of manufactured it that her and I with two or three other friends, we were in a smaller group and we were going to walk the day together. And uh, the, the, the job for the day was to walk and we were going to ascend a hill and get up onto a hill and have to walk on the, the, the ridge of the hill for most of the day. And, uh, but before you ascended the hill, you had to go through a little bit of a sort of dip in a valley and then get up on the hill. And, and so we started the day and we had great fun. It was a great day. We were walking. Uh, we were supposed to walk about 12 kilometers or something like that. I, I can't remember exactly. But um, we were walking and uh, we ascended down into this little valley, this dip that we had to go in and then be able to ascend up on the hill. Uh, but somehow, I don't know why, I'm normally not bad at it. Natasha is still convinced. I planned it. I purposefully did it so that we could be on the road together longer. We got lost in that valley and uh, we, we took a wrong path and we couldn't get out of the valley and it was a little bit overgrown and forestry and we couldn't see where to get up. And by the time we got out, it was a place where we couldn't ascend the hill. It was too rocky. We had to come around and we ended up walking almost a third more than we had to do for the day which worked out fine from my perspective because we did get to spend a little time together. But I want to go on the record here today to say I didn't plan it. It was an accident completely. <clears throat> and it is just how life is. I think right now we're going through a time where we are experiencing some frustration. I think of, for instance, we've got a matriculant in our house of what it's like to be in matric in this year with COVID-19. Matric is like ascending a mountain with a lot of hope and, and you're working hard, but you're moving up towards a space where you believe things are going to be better. Like a matriculant that believes that they've got to do this work and they've been preparing for 13 years, 12 years to get to this point where they are now ready to do the final bit. And they've got to climb this steep hill because at the top there's a, there's a reward waiting for them. There's a lot of hope that's in their hearts and a lot of expectation for good that's going to come that once they've summited this, this hill that is matric, it, it opens up new horizons and new possibilities for them. But right now, many of them are going through such frustration because not only are they having to learn to, 
to learn online and, and do remote learning and their you know, curriculum and what's the effect of that. And I know this week the minister has been speaking about that and our own school has to adapt and find ways to do the best they can. But for the matrix, and they're doing a great job, I really want to rec- commend all our teachers from Hatfield Christian School for all the hard work they're doing and Graham and Debbie as the headmasters for the excellent work they've done during this time. But, you know, for a matriculant, there's certain things that just this is a different year now. They, those, of us, those of them, for instance, that were elected as, as prefects have almost had no opportunity to lead through this year. Many of them, I know of matriculants that already were supposed to have had their matric farewell, and that's been cancelled or postponed. And, and, and all the big events that they were expo- supposed to experience during this year, they've lost. Not only matriculants, many people. This was a year and this was a time that they were looking forward to ascending in some way, to go up and, and to move towards a place of hope and, and things getting better. And perhaps you've been in your business working for a long period of time and, and you felt this was the year that we were going to continue to climb and move forward in, in certain ways and, and establish our business in a relationship, you, may, you were perhaps in a place where you were just entering a new phase of that relationship or, or in a career or many different ways you can think of that we were working and, and moving and trying to just move up into a new place and then suddenly COVID-19 happened. And for many people, instead of ascending the hill, you are stuck in a valley somewhere. Can't find your way out of it. Can't, you don't know what to do and how to, to go about that. And, and I want to take you to a portion of scripture which described this. And actually, it was from a sermon that I preached uh, the last Sunday of 2019. I preached a sermon. And uh, I felt as I was praying about today, just the Lord take me back to that, that portion of scripture. And I'm going to do it a little bit different than I did on that Sunday. But the scripture that I'm talking about is Psalm 84. And I want to... Use Psalm 84 in the way that it was used in the scripture to encourage us when we go through times like this where we are in a valley and, uh, and there's a sense of we've lost certain things. Uh, and Psalm 84 is a beautiful psalm that's written. And um, the, what the psalmist does is he uses a common event that the people that he's writing to would have understood as a metaphor for this experience in life. And the, the, the event he uses is when the Israelites would go up to Jerusalem to go and worship, to go to the temple. For many of them, it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, or, or even if it was more regular, if they got, were able to do it every year, it was a special event that they planned for, that they, that they built their calendar around, that once a year they would ascend to the, to the hill and go up to Jerusalem to go and be in the, in the temple, which was their greatest building, but also this place of worship and where the presence of God was. And, and, and children would dream about their opportunity to go and to ascend up to the hill, to go to Jerusalem. And, and, and he uses that experience as an analogy for life of how we work towards things and we have a hope that we're going up towards something. But when you were going to Jerusalem, you had to, uh, in one of the journeys and the paths that were most common crossed, the people had to pass through a valley before they could get up to go to the, 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 to the hill. And that was the, the valley of weeping or the valley of Barca, as it is referred to in the scripture. It was a, it was a valley that was a, an arid place, a dry place, a place of thorns and thistles, a place of wild animals, a place where people, it was dreary. It was a tough place that people had to go through. So, Psalm 84 is written like this. It's got three sections. The first section, which is verse 1 to 4, 
is about this, the, the psalmist writing about the, the joy, the expectancy, almost romanticizing the idea of going up to the temple, you know, talking about the stories of having heard from other people how amazing the temple is. And, and he describes that in, in, in verse 1 to 4. Then 5 to 8, he describes the valley. And actually the tough part, the difficult part of, of, of moving from the, the hope and the expectancy of this beautiful thing to actually ending up in a place which is so different and so hard and such a struggle. And then the, the last bit, 9 to 12, verses 9 to 12, is about actually now going through and arriving at the temple and, and, and on continuing the journey to arrive at the temple after having worked through the time of the valley and the difficulty. And... Um, those are the three sections, and I think those are so akin to what life is like. We have a, a, a sense of hope and expectation for something, and we, and we think we're going to do something, and it's going to be great, and, and it's perhaps even romanticized in our mind what it's going to be like. It's going to be awesome once we get it done, and then we go through the challenges that tests our resolve and tests our commitment. Are we going to stick through? Are we going to, are we going to go the distance? Are we going to do this despite the challenges that we have to go through? And then we, we, we strengthen ourselves and we steal ourselves. And then we get reminded of the, of, of the hope that we have before us and what it is, that why we started the journey in the first place and why we're going up. But, but by that time, it's not so romanticized. It's a little bit more real. It's a little bit more in perspective, and it's, it's perhaps even more about the, the bigger picture than what we made it of in our own heart. And that's what he does in this psalm. And, and let's tackle the psalm, and then I want to apply it for us in a specific way. So let's read Psalm 84, verse 1 to 4. It says the following in the NIV. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. For the living God, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Can you, can you see the description of the hope of, wow, this is going to be fantastic. We're going up. And, and even if a, a little bird has a place to, to find a nest and, and raise their young. How much more will I find a place in the presence of the Lord? How much more will I find my spot and, and my place and my purpose in life and, and what it is that I'm here for? And I, I, I'm moving towards that. Fantastic. So exciting. And then we read in verse 5 to 8. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. A little bit of a turn where he says now, blessed is the one who finds strength in the Lord. He's saying that the strength that got me onto this journey is not enough. It's not sustaining me. I need an outside sort of source of strength because I've now come into the valley of Baca. Blessed is the man whose heart set on pilgrimage, whose heart set on doing this journey, of going the distance, of, of not being dissuaded from moving up the mountain, and, but recognizing that there is a journey, that there is a time of difficulty, but it doesn't stop me. I'm, my heart is set on this pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is, is a, a special journey towards a special place for special reasons. And, and, and blessed is the man who will not stop, who will not fall short, but will draw strength. And who will even make the valley a place 
of hope and a place of, of something good and make fountains and, and wells in the valley and, uh, and can go through that. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Help me in the time in the valley. And then he moves on to the, the last bit, uh, which is verse, uh, sorry, let me just get it here in front of me. Verse 9 to 12. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And, and he reminds himself of the joy and the pleasure before him as he starts coming closer and moving up the hill towards Jerusalem. But I want to spend a little bit of time in that middle section for us today in, in verse eight, 5 to 8 and talk a little bit about the Valley of Baca and particularly what it looks like in our time here in this time of COVID-19 and the pandemic that we are dealing with. Uh, one of the ways that you can describe that Valley of Baca is it's a place of in-between. You are, you are between the start of the journey, the hope that you had, and the actual fulfillment, and you are now in the in-between. Natasha has been speaking a lot over the last two years, and many of you, I know some of the ladies particularly have heard her speak about this in some of the ladies' events, but many of us have heard her speak about liminal space. Liminal space as being that place in-between. When you move from something to something else, you often go through what is called liminal space or liminality. The word liminal comes from the idea of a, of a, of a doorway. It's a lintel. It's the same Latin word as the word lintel. It's that when you're standing in a doorway, you've left one room and you're about to enter another room, but you're not quite there. You're in that in-between space. Uh, liminalspace.org actually describes it like this. A liminal space is the time between what was and what is next. It is a place of transition, a season of waiting and not knowing. Right now, the whole world is in a liminal space. In our nation, we are particularly in a liminal space. As we're going through this, the stages of lockdown and moving through the stages, it's a, it's a sense of we, we know life is not what it has been before. It's, it's not what it used to be. And everybody's talking about a new normal. What is the new normal? We haven't arrived at a new normal yet. We are in a in a, in a space now where we have to be very responsive. And as the church, we've, we've had to really talk about how do we respond to the context and, and the needs and the, and the reality of the time that we are in, in, in quick responses that are short-term responses because things change rapidly all the time. I mean, all the time we are waiting to hear from, from the government what changes and, and what this is doing. And when we move from, from stage four to stage three, there's going to be changes and we have to adapt. So it's a, it's a liminal space that we are in right now of what is, we, we, it's not what it used to be. We don't know what it is going to be like, but we have to go through this time and we have to go through it really well. Liminal space is a time that is often experienced by people it's an anthropological term also that describes a time where people are feeling it's a rite of passage they they 
it's like when, it, when you go from childhood to adulthood, you go through a period of time, perhaps like a teenager or a young adult, and, a, and you're not what you used to be, but you're not quite what you're going to be yet. It's a rite of passage that you go through. It is often associated with a, a feelings of insecurity and uncertainty. It's often a space where identity changes and who am I? And we, you start asking questions of who I really am because it's a time where the activities of the past doesn't work anymore and you haven't learned the new activities for the future. So it's easy to feel uncertain and insecure about what must I do and how do I do it well? I think even right now, I think of many of our more senior citizens. The world is changing so fast and, and we're becoming so much more reliant on technology now just for our communication. And for many of them, it's a steep learning curve of how do I w live in a life that is so dominated by technology. And it may be easy to feel I, I don't have the skills and some of them may just want to dial out and say, well, I'm just going to live on my own and not be connected with the world because there's new skills and new things that we have to learn. And it, and it can be, therefore, a time of uncertainty. But I also want to say, liminal space can be a great time of opportunity. It is actually described as an opportune time. Remember in the past, we've spoken about kairos moments, moments that are seasonal moments where, where if you grab hold of them, something new can happen. Something new can grow in your life. You can learn something new. You can become something new. The, the world can change and become a, 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 a new place in a better way even if we make use of the opportunity. And liminal space is oftentimes filled with kairos moments, filled with opportunities to learn. But we have to lean into it. We have to be prepared to say, I'm not what I used to be and I don't quite know what I'm going to be and what life's going to ask of me, but I'm going to move forward in this. I'm going to lean into this. I think one of the particular challenges that we are facing in this time of COVID-19 and the bit of liminal space that we find ourselves in, the in-between, is the sense of loss that people are experiencing. I think for, like I spoke about earlier, the matric that has lost some of the things that they were looking forward to. I think many people are in a place like that, that you are moving towards something and there's a sense of loss, perhaps a loss of hope, a loss of, of what you were working towards and the hope that you had. You were looking forward to ascending into something and now it feels like I've lost it. Something has cut across my path. Something has removed what I've put in place and, and, and what I've done and what I've worked at seem to be not working anymore and it doesn't it's not going to produce the same thing as what I hoped. And there's perhaps a bit of a sense of loss of hope. And that's akin to the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca is often spoken of as a, as a place of weeping. And it's a place of weeping because of the sense of loss. And, and you can imagine, here a traveler is going towards Jerusalem. And they left home full of excitement and full of hope that they're going to the temple. And then they enter into this valley. And there's not enough water. They feel like they've lost direction. They, they, they feel that they're not equipped for this valley. They don't know what to do and how to handle it. They've never been this way before and, and, they, and they don't know how to deal with it. And that hopelessness starts sending in of, oh, well, was I right to start this journey in the first place? Shouldn't I, wasn't I better off to stay at home? And the hope of actually getting to Jerusalem fades away. And there's a sense of loss. And that sense of loss brings a, a grieving in our hearts and can even bring, make us open to depression and, and the struggle of that. And that sense of loss is very real. I think there's three components that I want to touch on that we sometimes experience in times like this of, of loss. The first one is we can have a sense of loss of God's favor. 
You started a journey because you were hopeful and you believed God is with you in this journey. Perhaps you started that business and you felt, man, this is what God wants me to do. And, and God started me on this journey and now you're in the valley. There's no income coming in. And, and you have that sense of the loss and you start thinking, is God with me? Did God put me on this journey just to, to die here in the valley? Where's God? Why is his favor not with me? Think of the Israelites. The whole time of the desert between Egypt and the promised land was a, a time of the valley, a time of liminal space. And can you remember there was a time where they said, why did you bring us out here into the desert just to die? And they wanted to go back to what was familiar, where they last felt a sense of security and a sense of comfort. And that was the flesh pots of Egypt as they described it. They said, let's rather go back. And it's a temptation right now if you are in a difficult time to say, oh, let me just go back to what was familiar where I felt secure because God is not with me. God's favor is not upon me. I want to say to you that be careful that you don't start thinking that God is not with you. God is with you. I want to remind you that he is a covenant-keeping God. A covenant is, is not a contract. You didn't start this journey on a contract with God. A contract is an agreement between two people about a function that they want to do and something that they want to get done. And, and what it says is, if you do this, I will do this. But a contract always has an escape clause that says, if you don't do your part of the contract, I'm not going to do my part of the contract. I'm not going to fulfill my part of the contract. If you've right now got a rental contract and a home that you're renting or a place that you're staying, it, there's certain things, if your landlord doesn't do certain things, it gives you the right to withdraw from that contract. Or if you don't pay, then it gives the landlord certain rights. But that's not a covenant. You see, a covenant is different. A covenant is a relational description. And what a covenant does is it says that, that I will fulfill my part of this covenant no matter what you do. God's covenant with us is eternal. God made a promise and the promise was, I'm your God. You will be my people and I will be with you always. And it doesn't matter what we do. Even when we don't fulfill our part of the covenant, God keeps his part. God has a covenant with you. You started a journey and God is in this journey with you. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. Don't believe the lie. And it's a lie that Satan will tell you that God has forsaken you. He has not forsaken you. The second thing that we have a sense of loss when we enter into a valley, a valley is often a very lonely place. It becomes a disconnected place. It becomes a place where, where you start going through your own doubts and your own things and you start feeling disconnected and alone. And there's a loss of friendship in the valley. A loss of friendship. A loss of, of there are other people with me that know me and understand me. And one of the lies the enemy can tell you when you go through a valley like this and the valley of Barca is that nobody understands you. Nobody knows what you're going through. I think of, of what it was like when, um, when Elisha went uh, through the time, the, the prophets. Remember, and he was said to God, I'm alone. I'm the only one serving you. And it's so easy to feel like that. We see that in 1 Kings 19 verse 10. Him describing that feeling. It's so easy for us to feel. I'm, nobody knows. Nobody understands what I'm going through. And I've said this before and I will remind you. That's a very dangerous lie. Don't believe that lie of the enemy. That you're on your own. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Nobody's interested in you. You're just a burden for other people. That's a lie. You have friends. 
You have people. Don't get disconnected during this time. What you're struggling with, there are people that have gone through this before. There are people that are going through it with you. Reach out to others. Don't get pushed into a corner. I'm going to encourage you. We are all doing our best as leaders, for instance, to reach out to people. But I know for a fact that there's probably three people that I'm not getting to in the way that needs me personally, that I have personal connection with. And it really helps if those people just phone and say, listen, I just need to talk to you. I just need, don't get pushed on the back foot and, and, and say people don't care about me. Reach out to others. Talk to others. Let people know that you want to speak to them. Because we, you can't be afforded at this time to be pushed into that place and, and believe that lie of the enemy and, and suffer that loss of, of a sense of community. We're a community on a mission. Community on a mission is a, it speaks about a community that's on a pilgrimage towards the kingdom of God. And we're going to go through these challenges. We've been through it before. We're going to go through it now. Let's do this well by standing together. The, the, the third thing is the loss of personal fitness. And I use the word fitness because it's an F and it fits with, with a favor and friendship. I'm not talking about personal fitness as in exercise and your, your, you know, your heart rate and all of those things. I'm talking about fitness. I'm just using that word as a, as, a, as a descriptor for our ability to do things. That we are fit for the job, that we are ready to do things. Because when we go into liminal space, we, we, uh, uh, what we used to be able to do good in the past and what we relied on and what we even built our identity on gets challenged because suddenly the things that I was good at at the past doesn't work in the in-between the in space. Because I'm having to learn new th abilities for the new season ahead of me. And, and what so often happens in the valley is I suffer the loss of my strength. The loss of my fitness. The loss of... And, and so often, you know, for us as people, we build our identity on what we're good at. And what I'm good at no longer does the, the trick. I start doubting who I am. I start wondering, you know, who am I? And am I good enough? And, and I start asking all these questions. And that, that can really feel us leaving quite exposed and quite insecure and uncertain about life. And have I got what it takes for the thing and for the future? And then I, I want to go back again. I, I want to go back to what I was good at. I think of teaching my children how to drive. I've done that with two now and starting with a third one. I can remember why one son particularly was so hard for him to learn all the skills involved with, one, uh, with driving. And there was a stage where I had to force him to go driving with me because he didn't want to. He just hated that feeling of not being able, not having the skill. The feeling of, I, I'm not good enough. And therefore he said, I don't care. I don't have to drive ever. I'd rather go back to a place where I know that I'm in control of. I know how to walk. I know how to run. But how many of you know, if you don't go through the discomfort and the insecurity of learning a new skill, you'll walk the rest of your life instead of being able to drive. You have to go through these times. We have to go through it. Where our challenge, where we, where we get challenged. When we suffer loss, we mourn. And, and it may be that you're going through a bit of a time of mourning at the moment. And that's okay. It's, it's right. It's proper that we mourn. And, and what I'm going to encourage you, if you are mourning some things, talk to the Lord about it. Be honest. Share your heart. Share your heart with somebody. But don't get stuck there. Move forward. Move forward. Come to terms with what you feel you've lost. Because the valley is not only a place of loss, it's a place of opportunity. It's a place of moving forward. It's a place 
of growth. I love it when they, when they talk and, and he says, blessed is the man who sets his heart on pilgrimage. And then it says, uh, that goes through the valley of Baca. They make it a spring. The autumn rain also covers it with pools. They make it a spring. They, they see the valley and they've, they've now come to terms with the struggle and the sense of loss. And then they say, I'm going to do something in this. I'm going to improve this. I'm going to make use of the opportunity. What often happened physically in the valley of Baca, uh, some of the commentators say and the historians is, as people moved into the valley of Baca, most of the year it was a dry time. So what people in the time did to rely, and it was a common practice, is they would, they would draw the dew that would fall on the ground during the night would be their source of water. So they had to ways, have ways to capture the dew. So what often happened is as they were traveling through the valley of Baca, there were wells in the valley, but they were far apart. And, and sometimes you had overnight and, they, and there weren't fresh water, a well available. So what the traveler would do is they would dig a hollow in the, in the sand, in the soil, and then put like a, a covering or a fleece or something in that hollow. And so that at night when the, when the dew fell, it would gather in that hollow and that would give them, and then they would in the morning squeeze out that, that piece of wool or whatever they put there. And that would give them water for the day's journey ahead. And so a beautiful picture that often happened evidently is as the traveler would move into the valley of Baca. And as they settled for the night, they would dig their little hollow and they would kit it out so that they could capture. But then in the morning when they woke up and they saw not only their own little hollow that was filled with water, they would start noticing all the hollows around them of previous travelers that dug little hollows. And not only would that one spot be filled with water, but often there would be water that gathered dew that gathered, gathered in the other hollows. And in that sense, they would get great encouragement that not only are they going through this valley, but others have been there before them. And others that have dug wells in the desert actually provided for them. You can go through this valley. And if you can do that, if you can draw the resources that are there, as limited as they may be, you will not only make it through for yourself, but you will be an encouragement to others that can make it through this. But the valley of Baca is a valley of growth. Three things. There were three things that got lost, and there's three things that you can grow in in the valley. The first one is it's a place of growth in revelation. It's a place where God's favor comes, and we not only get to realize new things about God. You know, there's things about God that you don't learn on the mountaintop. You only learn them in the valley. Psalm 23, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. We have to go through the valley to learn new things about who God is. To learn the depths of the, high, of the love of God, you have to go through the valley. It's logical. It's great to learn the heights on the mountain, but you have to learn the depths in the valley. To know who God is. Some of the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, we learn in the valley. It's the place where we learn that his mercies are new every morning. It's the place where we learn that his grace is more than enough. It's the, it's the place of revelation. What is God saying to you? It's a time where you draw near to him. Come close to the Lord. In, in, in liminal space, in religious terms, is often spoke of as the place of worship. Because it is a place where, where people come and get to learn new things about God. Remember we said worship is a response to revelation of who God is and what he's doing in that particular time. 
And as we go through these times, we, the Lord draws near to us and we learn more about who he is. So it's a place of revelation. It's a place to grow in revelation. It's also a place to grow in community. Because it is a place where you get to learn that you, you can't do this on your own. Right there when that traveler, even when they were alone. When they woke up in the morning and they saw everybody else's little hollows. And they saw the preparation done by other people. They realized, I'm part of a community of travelers. I'm part of a community of pilgrims. And yet I have my own pilgrimage and I'm responsible for my individual journey. But I'm doing it with others. I'm part of a community. You're part of a community. You're part of a community on a mission. A community that right now is going through some, some things that we're having to learn and adapt. But can I tell you, particularly as Hatfield, I want to speak to our Hatfield churches just for a moment here to say, you know, the Lord's been preparing us for a time such as this. We've been through preparation. We've been through a time where the Lord said to us, be ready. And this is part of what he had in mind, I'm convinced. Be ready. The Lord spoke to us about arise, shine, for your light has come. We've been going through some times even of pruning and disciplining where the Lord's disciplined us so that we can be ready for a time such as this. Hatfield East, Hatfield South, we have been prepared. We know how to do liminal space. We can do this well. So that not only we can go through it, but that others can be strengthened by us through it. And this is a time of community. Draw together. And encourage you, don't let go of community, draw into community. Not community just because of what you need. Kingdom community is never based on my needs. It's based on God's word and what God wants to do and God's kingdom and God's purposes. And this is a great time to say, Lord, what are you doing? And how do I be part of the community that, that is building what you're wanting to do during this time? You're part of a community. And the last thing is it's a growth in ability. Where we sense first of a sense of loss of our ability, our fitness, we can actually grow in our ability during this time. The Lord's teaching you new things. The Lord is imparting new skills to you. This is a time to learn to dig wells in the desert. Are you ready? Are you, are you up for it? Are you prepared to say, Lord, like I spoke about last week, Gideon, go in your strength. Are you prepared to give the little bit of strength that you have to say, I'm going to dig a well. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to get stuck here. I'm not, I'm not going to end in the desert. This is not the end of my story. This is merely a part of my journey. My heart is set on pilgrimage. Verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength. You can go from strength to strength. From this little bit of strength to the next bit of strength. Go from this well to the next well. Keep digging wells. One of the great stories we have in history of somebody that was in an in-between time, in a difficult time. And they dug wells. Is John Bunyan, the, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress. He lived from 1628 to 1688 and was arrested at the age 32 for conducting religious meetings without permission of the state church. And for 12 years he stayed in jail. But there he dug some wells. There in the Bedford jail he wrote nine books, including Pilgrim's Progress. By the end of his life he had published 60 books before dying at age 60. What's important is not what you go through, it's what you have developed in what you're going through and what you are leaving behind for others. Most of the New Testament was written from a prison cell. Paul, on a journey from where he met the Lord towards Rome, and in the in-between times he dug wells. This is a great time for us to dig wells. 
not only as individuals, but as the church. We need to dig wells. We need to help others. We are in a context as a church where many people around us, as this lockdown is going, is extending through its phases, we are aware that many people are, are beginning to struggle and find it hard. And we're putting all sorts of things in place to help people both materially and emotionally. And if you're struggling, reach out to us. Let us, let us. You're part of a community. You don't have to do this on your own. But you can also be the community on a mission for others that can help others. So we as a church are positioned by the Lord to be a place of strength and security and show others that, yes, we're in a valley, we're in an in-between time, but we're moving forward. We are going to Jerusalem. Our hope is not despair. So I want to say to the matric, move forward. Don't fall into despair. The student, I don't know what's happened with your, with your studies this year, and, and you may be struggling with online and, and all of that. Don't dig a, dig a well. Move forward. I want to say to the businessman, seek the Lord. His favor is with you. Grow in your revelation during this time. Grow in your sense of community. And grow in your sense of, of, of ability. Let the Lord work with you. Because he's not finished with you. This is not the end. You are moving forward towards what God has for you. Whatever your context. Let's ascend. Let's keep going up. Even when we are going down. As long as we're moving forward, we're going up. So be strengthened during this time. We will arrive at a new normal. For now, our normal is to go through this time of in-between. So let me pray with you and encourage you. And pray that the Lord will be with you, that his favor will be upon you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are taking us forward. You are bringing us closer to your plans and purposes. We are moving deeper into your will and into your presence. We look forward, Lord. We, we say like the, the writer here that says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. And that's what the, the journey makes us understand is that it, one day with you and to the least position in your presence is better than anything elsewhere, Lord. That's our heart's desire. We want what you want for us. We want your will. And we're going to continue our hearts set on pilgrimage. We're moving forward to your purposes and plans, Lord. And I pray that for every person. Let us move forward in you, in Jesus' name. I take authority over depression, over fear, over anxiety, over insecurity. And I say the Lord is with you. You have no reason to succumb to those things. Dig a well in the desert. And move from strength to strength in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for every one of us. Thank you that we know you and that you are so good to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you as I end the sermon just to consider the, the following two thoughts. As a discussion point or just in your own mind or with a group of people. Share this with in your community group or with friends or around as your family. Uh, I want to ask you to think about, are you experiencing a sense of loss? If you're feeling at odds, if you're feeling things are not quite right, or if you're feeling a sense of depression, ask yourself, are you, what are you mourning at the moment? Are you experiencing a sense of loss? And verbalize that, articulate that to somebody. And then secondly, is there a way that you can make a well in the desert? How can you move from strength to strength? What is the Lord doing in your life? What is he building 
This is an opportunity. This is an opportune moment. We love you lots. Natasha and I, we love you. The leaderships of both churches, we love you. And we are with you in this. And we are knowing, we know that God is busy taking us forward to his kingdom, his unshakable kingdom, and its manifestation in a greater way on our, on our, in our nation and on this earth. Bless you. We'll see you through the week. We con- I'm continuing. Uh, we're moving into a bit of a different space with a devotional. I'll be doing a once-a-week devotional, but others of our leadership teams from both churches will also be sharing devotionals. So please join us on the online platforms with our devotionals as we continue to connect with you and in any other way that we communicate with you. Bless you. Have a fantastic Sunday.